If you've been impacted by our ministry, please send us a note via email to hello at mygenerations.church or consider donating a special gift on our website, mygenerations.church, as a birthday present. Our monthly emphasis is with. It corresponds perfectly with our series, Everyday Jesus. Jesus makes you a new person with a new family on a new mission. So, because of Jesus, we want you to have an everyday faith. It's a way of life, not an event or a scheduled meeting. Everyday faith is the process of learning to follow God in all of life so that you experience everyday family and enjoy everyday mission. If we truly live everyday faith through the power of Jesus, then we will need to be with him. We must realize that he is also with us. When we are with others, he is at work. Be with Jesus. Be with others. He is with us. So I hope that you enjoy today's teaching. In this week's scripture that I'm going to share with you is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Um, so I'm going to read that to you. You guys can follow along on the screen if you'd like. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making, us, making his appeal through us. We implore on you, Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Will you guys bow with me? God, we thank you for allowing us to gather here this morning to be able to sing songs and to be together in fellowship, Lord, and to get closer to you. And God, we just ask that you just use Kyle right now, that you just speak to us through him, that you point us closer back to you so that we can grow in a relationship with you. And in your name, amen. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, the first half of the teaching was cut off. If you would like to read the first half of the teaching, you could go to mygenerations.church and to the Watch and Read tab on the top toolbar. There you can read the first half of the teaching and then follow with listening to the message. So when we're in those conversations, that it seems very normal and natural to make a transition from talking about our parenting or friendship or sports to how Jesus is shaping our life for the better. And some of you are hearing and going, well, Kyle, Kyle, that's so basic. Of course we need to make that transition. Of course it has shaped my life. And so as we get started this morning, let me put it this way. With a simple question, over the last several years, maybe in your own faith journey, how has your life changed? And if your life is changing or has changed, are you able to connect the dots for others because if you don't others will do it for you and some of you who are going to that, that's so basic I, I i can clearly identify how jesus is changing my life for the better 
then think of this morning as an equipping resource for you. Because there are others in your life who don't know how to connect the dots. And so what you need to be able to do is not just connect the dots for yourself of how Jesus is shaping your life in very tangible and real ways, but also have the wherewithal to be able to help others connect the dots, to be able to listen and respond to their stories and say, see, this is where Jesus is at work in your life. This is how God is shaping your life here. Here's the reality, even with technology, your friends and family may never hear me speak, but they will hear and see you, the way you live. And so last week, I shared that in order to become like Jesus, we must be with him, realizing that he is always with us. But when we learn to be with Christ, then we'll be able to take the steps to be in Christ. See, because we struggle oftentimes to bring the reality of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection into our everyday conversations. I think for two reasons. First, it's because we really don't believe we're that bad. We really don't think we're that bad. We look at our lives and we look at our experiences, we look at our past and go, ah, that was justified. Or, yeah, sure, in comparison to others, yeah, I'm, I'm doing better than them. And we grade ourselves on a curve. But we must, when we start to follow Jesus, we must deal with our past. Even when your quote-unquote past isn't that bad. Because, see, we often say the brokenness out there is bad, but the brokenness in me is justified. And this means that we have reasons. It means you have reasons. But having reasons doesn't make it reasonable. And so many times we go, I don't really need to change because I'm really not that bad. We only think of the consequences of our actions as bad. The effect on our life or even its effect on others. But the moment that we start to encounter Jesus and his goodness, and we start to notice there's a disconnect between the way we live, the way we think of ourselves, and the way Jesus is, and the way he thinks of us, and we start to see who he is and what he has done for us, we start to recognize that there is a out, out of order, out of alignment, there's missing steps. There's a misordering in our heart. And then we have to deal with the question, if my actions are bad, am I bad? And that's precisely the point of the gospel. You do not have to settle for fallen humanity. You don't have to settle for the question of, yes, I am bad, or just my actions are bad. But we're able to honestly say, we can have full humanity restored to us again, because Jesus is good, and his goodness has been transferred onto us through his life, death, and resurrection, when we put our faith in him and are baptized into him. And so am I really that bad? You are more sinful and more awful than you ever dare think. But you are more loved and more cherished than you dare dream. And that is the good news. And that news of love then has the possibility to transform us from the inside out. And this, that's what verse 16 of 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. From now on, then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. 
even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective. Now we no longer know him in this way. What we see is Christ sees us as beautiful, beloved, and cherished. And we're able to see ourselves in this way. And because it's Christ who has died for us. And two, we struggle to bring the gospel into our everyday conversations because we still grapple with the brokenness in us and the world. See, faith in Christ makes us a new person. And the daily ch change helps us catch up with that heavenly reality. And so we got to ask, do we look different in our followership of Jesus as we orbit around Jesus? Maybe, maybe coming to church is one thing. Maybe it's being in spiritual conversations with others is another. But are we changing? Do we think, act, and live differently than the old person? The battle for change starts in here and not out there. And this is Paul's plea to the Corinthian church in the letter we have as 2 Corinthians. And so what Richard read for us, what must be informed when he says the new has come, it is informed by actual verses 14 and 15 that say this. For the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Verse 14 and 15 gives us a because of Jesus foundation. See, the good news of Jesus has saved us from the penalty of sin because the bill comes due. There are consequences for our action, but we don't have to fear those consequences because Jesus paid for the penalty of our sin. He cures us, meaning that the gospel is saving us from the power of sin. And also the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection will save us from the presence of sin. To be a new person in Christ means that we constantly live with a past, present, and future mentality. If we get, if we give in to sin, if we give in and say, oh, I'm not really that bad, or my actions are justified, then we feel, we fail to realize that Christ has dealt, is dealing, and will deal with our sin. Jesus deals with the walking dead humanity that exists. When I picture this reality, I think of all the zombie movies that are out there, or the what if. For so many of us, there's a pervasive disease that allows us to exist and live, but we're not fully human. We're, we're that fallen human. And what happens is, as I was saying earlier, we justify our actions and justify a zombie-like reality when, in fact, Jesus offers us the cure so that we don't have to be going around with, with lives that are absorbed and consumed, and then we pass on that disease to others. No, we can actually be transformed. We cannot be settled for a walking dead, but we can be fully alive in Jesus. And this is what Paul's joyful proclamations in 2 Corinthians 5.17 expresses. It's a conviction which seems all too frequently contradicted by our experience. We affirm that life in Christ produces a new kind of living, 
but we are often embarrassed to find so little difference between our actual living and the lives of those who make no such claims. Meaning, we look at our own life and go, there are still aspects of my life that are zombie-like. There are areas of my life that I pass on disease and sin and brokenness to others. And why haven't I experienced this transformation that I so desperately desire? But we can rejoice in the forgiveness of God for our sinfulness and then recognize how our living often fails to convert to this reality to others. Oftentimes we can worship the Christ who gives his life for others, yet devote so much time and energy to promote ourselves. There are moments when we can proclaim allegiance to Christ as Lord while living by the priorities and values which indicate that there are indeed many gods and lords by which we really live. Like us, the early Christians to whom Paul addressed those words recognized that in many ways the old remained with them and the new life of faith in Christ needed to be appropriated again and again. Because these Christians saw and the world in which they live, Rome was there and it was oppressive in its power. There was injustice and immorality and all these things seemed to prevail in their world. And they even experience continuing bondage in their personal lives, bitter stripe within the communal Christian life. That's why Paul is even writing these letters, because there's so much anxiety and animosity and struggle. And we're supposed to say, this new life has come, but why don't we experience it? And so there's this tension between the Christian affirmation that the new is present and yet our everyday experience. But Paul's world's... Mu- words must be viewed in light of the prophetic hope of Jesus. And one of the main features of that hope was the belief that in the end of time was going to be like the beginning of time. When the prophets spoke about the expectation of God's final coming and reign in human history, they frequently described that time in imagine, uh, imagery associated in the Old Testament with the paradise and the original creation. For Paul, the end of time had broken into this broken world. And the world was new, a new world insofar as it had encountered the creator in the Christ. That's why we need to be in Christ. We need to surrender our lives to him. We need to step into relationship with him. Because the moment that we step into relationship with him, the moment that, that we're baptized and raised to new life, we are part of a new humanity, created in Christ Jesus for a new existence. See, in this old, or this, this future hope breaking into the reality, is the hope that we have in our everyday experience. As Adam and Eve, the typical representative human being, stood before the Creator in its radical freedom in the garden, so the new person in Christ stands before the Creator in radical freedom. So what I'm saying is, in some sense, the situation before the fall, before there was sin and mire and muck and brokenness, it's been recreated for the Christian when we step into Christ. In that sense, the Christian is a new creation. As Adam and Eve were faced with the decision to give allegiance to God, the creator, or the creator, uh, or create their own gods and give allegiance to them. So the new creation person 
has been freed from the false bondage to the same decision. As they lived with the possibility of either dependence on the creator or independence from him. So the new creation person exists within that possibility. As they could either exist in fellowship with their maker or hide from God among the trees. So the new creation person can live and trust before God or make jungles in which to hide from him. See, Jesus came to remake us in God's image. Charles Wesley put it like this in his famous hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Adam's likeness, Lord efface, stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Efface means to wipe out or rub out. God is in the business of change. He's in the business of giving us our humanity back, and we must expect that change. When we step into Christ, we have, we've been freed from the bondage and power of sin. We can say no to sin because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and we can say yes to dependence upon him. But so often, we'd rather settle for a zombie-like reality and mentality. But Jesus has been, has been offered as the cure for us. He's in the business of giving us our humanity back. My plea is that you stop settling for fallen humanity, that you stop settling for the appropriation of sin in your life again and again, thus passing on sin and its consequences to others. See, Jesus gives us the strength to fight the fears that in the past have caused us to fight, flee, or freeze, but instead... We're able to have difficult conversations with ourselves to where we can say, no, I will not choose that again through the power of Jesus. Maybe you replay conversations in your head or scenarios where you, you wish you could have or, or you should have. Or you, you, you were brought up, oh, I could have cared for someone in this tangible way. We don't have to live in the past anymore. You have the freedom to step into a new reality where we, you recognize that God's reconciling love in Christ has reclaimed us for relationship with our Creator. And in this relationship, we are er able to be characterized not by what we've done in the past, but by what Jesus has done for us. And each and every moment of the day, we must choose that again and again and again. Because this relationship does not automatically remove us from the influence of sin's reality, which surrounds us in all areas of life, both internally and externally. We must fight against that, to choose allegiance to God again and again. And we do that when we have tough and difficult conversations with ourselves. Instead of justifying maybe sin or making reasonable arguments, well, this is what they did to me, or, or this is what everyone else is doing. We choose again and again to choose Christ's love in us so that we can choose Christ's love for others. The new has come. You are a new person when you are in Jesus. For those of you who have yet to say yes to Jesus, let me just be blunt with you. You're not going to be able to have the power to overcome sin by your own willpower. You're not going to be able to look to others and say, they're good enough for me. The only one who is good enough for you is Jesus, and the only way you have the willpower 
to overcome sin is not through your own power, but through the power of Jesus and recognizing that it's his love, his life, death, and resurrection that is the cure for their zombie-like disease called sin. Jesus came to give you your humanity back. Don't settle for being a fallen human. Don't settle. Say yes to Jesus to receive your humanity back. To be a new creation is not to be perfect or faultless or immune to anger and pain or insulated from tough experience of life. Rather, to be a new creation is to live a life turned towards God whose grace has reconciled us in Christ. See, when we start to recognize our faith in Christ gives us access to Jesus, that he has paid the penalty for our sin. He has paid the bill that you owe. But he's also saving us from the power of sin. He can make you a new person each and every day. He is making you a new person each and every day, so we should walk in him and show others what it's like to live in that new humanity reality. That's what Paul says here when he says, be reconciled to God and tell others. Be an ambassador about being reconciled to others. Which you're in a zombie world, rather than walking around with shotguns like the walking dead or building fortresses, we actually walk out into the world with a cure. Where we tell others, this is the cure. Let me show you what it's like to live, to have, be fully human again. So we don't insulate or isolate, but we walk out confidently with the cure. And we accurately connect the dots. We don't assume people automatically understand that we have the cure, but we tangibly show how the cure brings change and healing in our life. And while we know that the presence of sin is still out there in our world, we also have this confident hope that one day Jesus will come back and recreate this world so we have healing and hope from the presence of sin. And so because of Jesus, our salvation isn't just related to the afterlife. Jesus enables us to say no to the power and pull of sin in our life now, beginning to live the life that you were created to live. And when you're too weak to live by it, the Holy Spirit is there to remind and empower you. See, it's not by your own strength or your own might or your own wisdom. It's by the gifting and provision of the Holy Spirit to help you live a life that says, I have been made new. I am being cured. And you can have the cure too. It's in this moment that I want to return to where we started. Our life in Christ must be lived out for others to see. It's not living a perfect life, but one that continually returns to how God has worked in our lives, in our past, present, and future. And so to do this effectively, we must have practices and people who help us be formed into the likeness of Jesus, displaying our full humanity. So we have people and practices. Just think back to the making of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We need people that help us understand some right steps to take and also to guide us because this world wants to counterform us. 
wants us to get bitten by sin again and again and again and make us less than human. So we need both people who say, let me show you what it's like to live in this new humanity, to live in this new reality. Every person does, needs that. And here's the beautiful thing is God creates in us a new family. So you don't have to do this alone. So every single person has someone further along than them that says, let me show you what it's like to live in this new humanity, to be this new reality. And you're also able to show that to someone else. So you must have two types of people in your life. Someone who you are following, demonstrating that. And you also must have someone else in your life who you are showing what it's looked like to make that reality. But it's not alone to just have a person to imitate, to follow after. We also must have some practices. We must practice taking a slice of bread out of the sleeve of bread, taking a knife and knowing how to hold a knife and spreading peanut butter appropriately on the sandwich. And if you're like me, probably putting a little too much jelly on the sandwich. We have to practice making the sandwiches again and again together. And so some of the clarifying points of being a new person in Christ is the five areas on the Everyday Jesus cards. And so if you don't have one with you, I encourage you before you leave to pick up one of those orange cards and look at those five areas. What it looks like to have an identity rooted in Christ. What it looks like to know and hear God. What it looks like to know the story of Scripture. And then also know what are some tangible practices that you can show up and do with others that form us and to be more and more Christ-like. Because our everyday experiences, we have people and practices who want to form us in a different way, in a different reality. So we must have tangible Christ-like people and practices that counterform us so that we can be fully human. We need people who are helping us to be formed, showing us how to make that PB&J, lest we make a mess. And so next week, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, about what it means to have that family mentality of showing each other and how God makes us new family. But it always starts with how Christ makes us new people. So my hope is that you tangibly this way, maybe it's with those everyday Jesus cards, that you identify an area that you need to get a little bit better at that you need to, to, to take a step in an awareness so that you can accurately represent your full humanity that God has given you in Christ in every area of life. Let's pray. God, you are good, and I am thankful for who you are and how you love us. God, right now I pray that if someone needs to say yes to you to receive the new identity they have in you, that they do that this morning. That they say yes, and then we can see them take that step of baptism. God, I pray for the people that have been fighting against their new humanity. That are saying yes to that zombie-like living God, I pray that they say no to that and step into the cure that you have for them. God, my prayers for Generations Church as a whole, that we be people who learn what it looks like 
to have that identity and to live with a cure. To not assume people know the steps, but to be people that are tangibly formed in all areas of life, to be more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.